1: and you're listening to the
3: Mavs Step Back podcast.
2: All right, everybody, welcome in to another episode of Mavs Step Back podcast. And guys, this is our first uh, live show of the 2021-2022 season. Uh, unfortunately, the Dallas Mavericks fell flat. Uh, they lose on the road against the Atlanta Hawks, 113 to 87. Uh, It was a – well, I'll just call it as it is. It was a subpar performance uh, from the entire team overall. Uh, Luca was the game's leading scorer for the Mavs with uh, 18 points, 11 rebounds, seven assists, but he only shot six of 17 from the field. Uh, Jalen Brunson was a bright spot off the bench for the Mavs. He was the second leading scorer with 17 points. He had three assists and three rebounds. Uh, and then, other than that, there were only two other Mavericks in double figures: Tim Hardaway Jr. with 14, and Kristaps Porzingis with 11. It was just brutal. Uh, you know, the, the Mavs only shot 33 percent from the field for the entire game. Uh, that that's awful. That <laughs> I, I'm confident. I'm confident in saying that that probably won't happen for two straight games, you know, when they go to Toronto now and play the the Raptors Saturday. But uh, Matt, I'll start with you. What's your initial thoughts of this first game of the season, the first game of 82 for the Mavs?
3: (laughs) I love how you're trying to cushion it like you know I'm just about to –
2: Oh, I'm uh, ready. I'm ready for the fire. You're crazy on
3: it. (laughs) No, like I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and completely burn them. I mean, it, it's one game. It's not, that's not really up for debate. I mean, it's one out of eighty-two. It's there's nothing to freak out about yet. But from what I saw, they looked completely disorganized. They looked um, kind of out of shape in in like they they looked like they had good energy on defense, which is which is a good thing. Um, but on offense, there was just, there was no sort of flow. There was no organization. People were kind of just like, looked like they were just all over the place in a way. Jason Kidd didn't really do much to fix anything from the first half of the second half. There was no adjustments. Dwight Powell started, which I, you know, I hated.
2: Um, I mean, I'm with I just, you, they, Matt. I, I they, hate it too, just as much as you do
3: there was nothing really that stood out to me that I was like, Oh yeah, that's a good thing except for the energy on defense in the first half. And then it, 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 it at halftime, everything just kind of, it seems like it just kind of fell apart. You know what I mean? It, it just, you, I mean, you lost by 25 on the first night um, or whatever it was. The final score was, I, I turned off the last two minutes cause that, that Jamie Johnson kid or whatever his name was, was just draining threes. And I was like, all right, I'm over it. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it's kind of the same old story that we've seen from the Mavs in, on opening night in the last few years. Like, happened in Phoenix a couple times. Like, it's just it, – it, I'm just – I don't get it. It's it's almost like nothing has changed, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, it it's one of those things where you obviously wanted them to get off to a better start given what we saw in the preseason. But, I mean, that's, that's why we've been saying – all of this, you know, through, throughout the, uh, the preseason, we, we're just like, well, it is preseason, you know. <laughs> you have to start off every take uh, by saying that no matter what happens in the preseason, that's just, uh, that's just how it goes. So, I mean, it, it's obviously not going to be something that, that, you know, the Mavs are going to put together from day one. You, you, you wish it wasn't a 26-point blowout, but, uh, I mean, you have to give a lot of credit to the Hawks. I mean, uh, the Hawks have a really, really good team, a really deep team. Uh, And they're young, too. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, Trey Young, he's really good. And, you know, just from an individual standpoint, uh, he's not as good of an an overall player as Luka is. But the way that franchise has surrounded Trey on that roster from top to bottom, is just outstanding, and I, I give them I give them all the praise in the world for how they've done that. And it was not a fluke that they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with this year too. But uh, and I, I don't think I mentioned it in the uh, the brief intro we did there. But uh, tonight I am joined by you know my co host Matt Galatson, as always, and. Uh, we're joined by a couple of our DallasBasketball.com colleagues, Grant Afseth and Lance Roberson. Uh, Grant, I'm going to go to you now. Uh, I want to get your take on you know the lineup stuff. Uh, Matt and I we've talked about this on previous pods. We don't like Dwight Powell starting. Uh, everybody was like, "Oh, well, you know, he's coming back from his Achilles and he's fully healthy now, and maybe you know, <laughs> maybe they can rekindle some of that old." Uh, Powell starting next to KP and the advanced numbers when they played together in years past, or something like that. But do you think this is more of a starting lineup issue, or do you think it's more of, you know, maybe the starting lineup plus Jason Kidd not willing to pull the plug on it uh, throughout the game, too?
4: Yeah, I definitely think there is an issue um, utilizing that frontcourt duo because the top priority is you know obviously to get Luca getting downhill into the paint with clean looks, and there you know when you have Dwight Powell, um, you know in the dunker spot or even just on the wing when you know they're, he's gonna basically get played off of that's a problem. Like Clint Capella, numerous times is able to be in a great position to uh, kind of just crowd the paint whenever. Luca rejected a ball screen, or just you know dribbled off a ball screen and got downhill. Is with DeAndre Hunter as the on-ball defender, it's just you know there's, that's a lot of pressure on Luca without another initiator to kind of carry the load too. Like I, I just think the setup is kind of a you know unfortunate set of circumstances to get a team against a team like the Hawks that have all those wings uh, and a you know a high-level rim protector. Like it's it's just it's just not a good uh, strategy to also have those possessions where it's like dorian finney smith's gonna post up but luca to begin the whole possession is just gonna kind of stand and watch the actions happen and he's just you know everyone else is just kind of making things happen and yeah i just i just think there wasn't really a whole lot of point to those those sequences when luca was like kind of just standing and watching and yeah i think there's a lot that needs to be
2: the thing with dwight powell is like he's good at setting screens he's good at rolling to the basket we know that but if 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 they're crowding the paint you know you saw it multiple times and it, it wasn't just with uh, with Dwight Powell it was when Willie Colleystein was in the game too and they were trying to run a pick and roll and you know they'd they'd stay with Luca off the pick and then they'd send another guy uh, underneath to to guard against the lob as well so uh, I, I don't know if that's just a product of the the Hawks not respecting the Mavs three point shooting. You know, if they were to kick it out, or if they just have you know more confidence that they're able to make up that ground uh, and get out to the perimeter and guard it. If he if he was going to dish it out, I don't know. I don't know what the the fix is. I just know it's like I said on the last pod. I really think it's going to end up. You know, the the primary starting lineup for most of the season will be. Uh, Luca, Tim Hardaway Jr., Reggie Bullock, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith as a small ball four, and KP back at the five. Because, I mean, in my opinion, KP, I mean, he, he's moving a lot better defensively than what we saw last year. And that was the thing. It's like, if you're going to play KP at the five, then, you know, he has to be able to move on on defense to do that. So, uh, the way he's moving right now, I don't know why they don't just go ahead and make that switch. I, I just hate the idea of wasting early season games uh, with something that, you know, we just we kind of know in our hearts isn't going to work <laughs> with Dwight Powell uh, starting at the five. You know, even though KP was out uh, to start last season, uh, he still shouldn't have been starting at center. And they did, and they started out two and six. Uh, and a lot of that had to do with Luca's slow start, which we'll get to in, in just a second because, you know, despite Luca being in arguably the best shape of his life heading into a new NBA season, uh, he still got off to a slow start in this one tonight, by his standards at least. You know, <laughs> 18 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. That's, you know, that's nothing to scoff at, but uh, by Luca's lofty standards, that uh, that wasn't a great night for him. So, uh, Lance, what's your initial thoughts from, from this first game of the season? you have any hot takes for us? Uh, so now that I'm a credentialed writer,
1: I'm, I'm trying to stay out of the, the, the take space. But, I mean, it's just apparent that this offense is it's just not right. Uh, and we all knew that KP was going to get a bulk of the offense in the first quarter. Uh, the Hawks did a really good job of pretty much telegraphing what he was going to do on that on the elbow on the left elbow. You know, Collins got a couple strips. I think they like posted him up like seven times in the in the first quarter, and I think he made like one fadeaway in that scenario. Uh, Dwight Powell playing more minutes than Bullock is, I don't want to say unforgivable, but it's pretty egregious considering that Powell did not have a good night on either side of the ball. I mean, I don't know how many times uh, Capella just—I don't want to say punked him, but just for a guy of pal stature that's supposed to be—you oh, know—I'll
2: I'll say it, Lance. He punked him. He punked yeah, him
1: many yeah. times. I like you say you got more of a tenure on the website, so I, I'm not trying to go out there like that. But it's like I watched Kid. Um, you know, I, I have the the press conferences on right now, and Kid only answered a few questions, and and he said, "I thought we got good looks tonight." Uh, ESPN's Tim McMahon posted a graphic of, you know, the shot chart. And, you know, Grant, you and me, all of us have done extensive coverage of of kid commenting on what he's expecting and what he wants to do with the you know, the game plan. And he said he wants to bring it back to mid-range. They have Mavs are 5 for 17 from mid-range tonight. You know, 2 for 14, like deeper uh, in the paint, but not in the penalty area. So, I mean, they're just Obviously, it's one game, but it's also not like the Hawks are known for stellar defense either.
2: So. Yeah, that, those numbers just aren't going to cut it. And, I mean, like I said, and Matt, we'll, we'll swing it back over to you here, but I, I made the statement that I really doubt that that kind of poor shooting is going to carry over for multiple games. But, I mean, where from what you saw, given the looks they got versus what they missed and all that stuff, I mean, where do, where do you feel on that? Do you think it's going to be one of those situations where – uh you know they continue to shoot poorly or you think it's just like a fluke thing and they'll they'll start hitting some more of these open looks that they get
3: you know it's hard to say but you know you would think with all the shooters that they have on the roster now with Bullock and Brown and you know KP and, and Tim and it's it it wouldn't make sense if it did last but you know it there's no way of knowing with with the new coaching staff and and the new guys on the roster and you know the feet the pieces fitting just a little bit differently, the way kid is quote unquote running an offense whatever the hell he's doing, um. I could see it continuing for a while. I mean, you can see it when there's more drastic changes on a roster, um, and you know teams kind of struggle to play together before they they sort of figure out how to play with each other the 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 turnover on this team isn't that substantial but there's still turnover so i think it's going to be kind of hard for for bullock and brown to kind of figure out how to play with luka um at the beginning and they'll slowly you know get better at that but you know this whole dwight powell thing is is sort of causing a lot of issues for the offense at large i think and um I think that's part of the problem. I mean, also we don't need him shooting a three when they're down 15.
2: <laughs> yeah. The, he was like, so trigger happy in the preseason shooting threes that it was kind of <laughs> it was kind of concerning because you really don't want Dwight Powell shooting threes unless it's in like April or May. Uh, Cause that's apparently when he starts to get hot and actually hits those in the, in the meaningless games. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I said it all along. I, I do not think that that lineup is going to stick. I just don't think it works, uh, especially when you have a team like the Hawks with, some, with guys like Capella and John Collins who can bully you down low. Uh, you know, John Collins can can beat you on the inside or the outside. Uh, so, I mean, I just it's, – it's not going to work. They're going to have to do something different. They're going to have to play smaller uh, or, you know, not not smaller because, I mean, even if you have guys like Dorian, Finney-Smith, and, and Bullock out there uh, at, at, as your three and four, you've got length, uh, you know, they're tall guys and everything. But I'm just mean like traditional, uh, having a traditional center in, in that case, I don't think it, it really helps. I think you have to do something like uh, what they did against the Utah Jazz last year, uh, where you put KP at the five and Dorian at the four, and then you try to draw Capella Away from the basket, and you know, see what happens. But uh, Lance, do you have uh, not Lance. Sorry, Grant. We're gonna swing it back to you. Uh, do you have any other, you know, specific observations from this first game that you want to get out there?
4: Um. Yeah. I think. Uh, I think it was pretty interesting just to see how Atlanta has kind of just stacked up pretty solid complimentary players, as you were talking about, like uh, the job they've done, um, like. The fact that they have, you know, various wings out there that can, you know, make plays uh, on both ends, um, and then you can compare it to, uh, you know, Dallas Sporting Cast. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think honestly, uh, there's there's a lot of work to do, like in the long run, to uh, be able to build up what's needed, um, and it'll be interesting uh, to see kind of how quickly they shift from Powell. Uh, at the five, I think it's probably the big thing, the big observation, you know, kind of we've all been talking about. But um, I think defensively um, with that, uh, I talked about the offense a little bit ago, but defensively, um, I, just, I just don't really see how without him being a rim protecting factor um, or a perimeter defender, how you can really um, continue to utilize that, especially with the clogging of the lane on the other end. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I wish kid would have asked or answered more questions after the game, but, um, yeah, it'll just be something to track, probably the number one uh, topic.
2: And it's one of those things where I've I've been, you know, I'm willing to give Nico Harrison time to work because he really, he, I, w- I don't want to say he inherited a mess because when you have Luca and you have, you know, a guy that's panned out like Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, from that Knicks trade, and KP, he's had his moments when he's been healthy, and you got Jalen Brunson. I mean, you know, there there were are there some good pieces on the roster, but just the last couple of years specifically, I mean, there have just been some major whiffs. Uh, you know, uh, Josh Green, who I still have hopes for, uh, you know, he didn't really play tonight. He got some, uh, some garbage time minutes there at the end, but uh, you know, I, I had high hopes for him. Uh, it hasn't panned out yet. Uh, he, he's gonna it's gonna be a struggle for him to crack the rotation. Uh, Tyrell Terry was another guy who I liked, but you know he just he was never around and he had a bunch of personal stuff going on and they've cut ties with him now. Uh, you know, you look back at that draft, you know they could have potentially had uh, uh who who am I thinking of? They could have potentially had uh, Tyrese Maxey. Desmond or Bain. Uh, Desmond Bain. <laughs> you know, uh, there, there's some players they could have added. You, look, you compare specifically what the Mavs did uh, to what, say, the Memphis uh, Grizzlies did, who were in the same you know, ranges as them picking, and it's just like, man. <laughs> there were some really bad decisions made there. Uh, and then you go back to the 2019 offseason where, uh, you know, the Mavs ended up uh, – they had max cap space. They went after Kimba. It didn't work out. After that happened, instead of you know going to some of the middle options like Boyan Bogdanovich, who I really liked that summer, they decided they'd wait you know almost a full week for Danny Green, uh, just to be the bridesmaid <laughs> for, for Danny Green. Uh, so they punted on that. Uh, they botched the Goran Dragic trade that summer as well uh, because they were had some- to bring it. There were conflict well you know they're about to play the Raptors and we'll get to that you know that, that little preview here in a second but uh, they botched that uh, they didn't make a move for Dragic this summer either and then you know I'm going out of order here but then last season or before uh, or during the draft last year they traded Seth Curry who was amazing in his second stint as a Dallas Maverick uh, to the 76ers for Josh Richardson. And a pick that turned into Tyler Bay, and surprise, surprise, neither one of those guys <laughs> are on the roster anymore. So, after talking through all of that, it's just like, man, no wonder Donnie Nelson is no longer here, <laughs> no longer the Mavs' uh, general manager anymore. And I mean, we respect Donnie. I mean, I, I I respect everything that he did, and he's a great guy, and you know, he's he's a friend of the podcast and everything, but. Um, uh, you know, after seeing all the missteps over the last couple of years, it's just like, yeah, it, it was definitely time for a change. So, all that but, to say, all on. that to say, I'm, I'm willing I, to give I, Nico Harrison time to, you know, reverse this. But anyway, go ahead, Matt. Well, I was just going to say, wasn't the Josh Green thing a, a, a Haralabob thing? I think it was. Yeah, he really liked Josh Green. And again, I like him too, not just, just not as a, contribute right now player. I mean, we might get a year or so down the road and he might be fine, but uh, like our buddy Kirk over at Mavs Moneyball says all the time, you know, the Mavs need players that can contribute now at a high level. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's a worry like, okay, well, what if we get that far and then Green doesn't pan out <laughs> and then you're getting close to a situation where Luke is going to be an unrestricted free agent and You know, you have to worry about that kind of stuff. So, and I get that point too. But overall, it's just, you know, a lot of missteps and the Mavs have to find their way out of that. And I think after, you know, a month or so starting this season with Nico Harrison assessing, you know, what's on the roster and what's out there, you know, he was hired like a month before free agency or like a month and a half before free agency started. Uh, so I'm I'm interested in seeing how he does in his first full season. You know, uh, assessing the roster and then looking at the trade market, and you know, let, let's see what kind of pieces he envisions as as working next to Luca and if he can make some stuff happen. So, uh, Lance, what do you think about the you know as far as what the Mavs have done the last couple of years and uh, my stance on giving Nico some time to kind of figure things out before we over
1: i'm I'm just gonna say this I'm more worried about the the coaching than I am the general manager that's fair uh, uh, but at the same time if kid and Nico were as a package deal that worries me and supposedly that's that's what it reportedly that's what it was you know that's the thing that worries me I was like what what is so intriguing about honestly both of these guys that they had to to be a bundled deal, you know, usually bundles mean, Oh, you get this great deal, even though you necessarily don't want this other thing, but we're going to bundle it to make it look good. And that's what it kind of, this seems like to me. And with Nico, uh, with GMs, you kind of got to give them a year or two, because like you said, he inherited a lot of stuff that, I mean, he doesn't really have any draft picks to work with. Although supposedly the Mavs could have traded into the, into the draft. And he kind of held off on that. And, We'll see if that was a good move or not. But, you know, I don't, I don't want to judge uh, the general manager right now, but we can definitely, you know, look at the, the coaching decisions today and, and, and definitely there's a lot of red flags there. But not de- necessarily doom in the season, but, man, just losing by this much
2: to yeah, a team especially, that – Especially on a day – sorry to cut you off, Lance, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of ironic that the Mavs end up, you know, completely falling flat on their faces – on the same day, or you know, actually, I guess it was technically last night, where uh, you know our, this podcast account, I, I tweeted out the new uh, Ted Lasso slash Mavs crossover uh, believe T-shirt <laughs> that is apparently a hit. I mean, uh, it, we sold quite a few of those in the last 24 hours, but it's just very ironic that you know I, I tweeted that out. And, uh, you know, it's Ted Lasso, good vibes, believe, <laughs> and then they come out and lose by 26 points. I mean, that's – you're right, it's just deflating. We're not going to overreact. It's the first game of the season. But, you know, it, it, you know if it was a 10-point loss, at least it would be <laughs> – it would be uh, easier to take some good things from it. But uh, like I put in – uh, my recap for DallasBasketball.com tonight, one of the few uh, pluses of this one is that it's only one game and they get to move on quickly and play the Toronto Raptors in Toronto on Saturday night.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Uh, Matt, we're going to go to you now. Uh, that Raptors game, what are you looking for? Are you hoping – well, I know you're hoping for it, but, I mean, what are the chances that, you know, maybe they get in Toronto and uh, Nico Harrison and Masai Ujiri, you know, do a little little business talk, and then you have a situation like when the Mavs played at uh, New York Knicks in 2019, and then the next day they announced the KP trade. Uh, is that going to happen with Dragic? <laughs> No,
3: I don't have any faith in Nico to negotiate a deal at all until he actually does it. (laughs) Like I, you know, I kind of going back to what Lance was saying a minute ago about about it being a a package deal, and we went back. We talked about this a couple weeks ago too. I think, like, what about these guys? About either of these guys, was desirable enough to give them leverage to say, well, it's either one of us or, or it's either both of us or none of us. Um, But that's, I mean, that's a whole nother thing. Um, I I don't know what I'm looking for other than some adjustments. You know, I I would prefer not to see Dwight Powell in the starting lineup, but I bet that's what we're going to see. I'd like to see some more uh, organization on offense and a little bit more, you know, clarity, but from about what they're doing, Uh, it kind of, just seemed a lot of the time to me it just kind of seemed like Luca dribbling the ball down the floor and everybody else just kind of it was just chaotic I don't know it was it was it was weird to watch um, and I, I'd like to see some you know I'd like to see some some better um, some better defense in the second half obviously you know it was there's there's so many things that went wrong in this game like I don't I don't know where to start if I'm being totally honest because you, you want to see everything be better. Like, literally everything be better.
2: Rick, um, Rick Carlisle is gone, but the third quarter Mavs woes continue on. Well,
3: part of me wonders how much Jason Kidd is and, – and, you know, the offense is the offense, whatever. But, like, part of me wonders how much of Jason Kidd is just, like, younger Rick Carlisle.
2: Oh, man, that's that's very insulting to Rick Carlisle. <laughs> well, no, I just mean – no, what, but, but what, but what I mean is, like,
3: He he played under Rick. What if he's trying to implement some of the thing, same things and same practices that Rick implements?
2: I mean, that's all I'm saying. I mean, he might, Uh, you know. And that's the thing about Jason Kidd too. I think we're past the point of thinking that he's going to be like this this tyrant who is just uh, a complete uh, prick to you know all to some players and you know making guys practice on Christmas or whatever it is he did with Milwaukee that time I mean I I I think we're past that point of it you know like from a personal standpoint I think we're fine with Jason Kidd going forward but now you get into this like okay well he's going to be fine personally but like when you get to actual coaching (laughs) that's been an issue too uh, in the past you know he's done some really head scratching things on the court and uh, now, given when you have Luka, you don't really have to call a lot of plays. See, I
3: think that's I think that's BS, Dalton. No offense, I really, but I just really I don't, I don't buy that. that. I think if you're in the I think if you're playing professional basketball, you have to have some organization. You can't just give the ball to your yeah, best okay. player and say get out of the way.
2: Well, yeah, you have to have organization, but I mean, it's you're not having to call out specific plays every time down the court. You know, you can. You can run different pick and roll sets. <laughs> just have it planned out, like you know possessions in advance, stuff stuff like that. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to get real specific with stuff like Rick Carlisle was at times, which you know in playoff situations that would be that would be where I'd be more concerned about it. But during the regular season, I just uh, I just don't know that it matters that much. I mean,
3: yeah, and 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 the other thing is. And this kind of this kind of goes to that same point is it seemed like the team had a lot of the same issues that they had last year in terms of like personnel and, and you know s- using those that personnel in certain situations like secondary ball handler secondary scorer you know somebody to run the offense when Luca's is on the bench And Cuban comes out the other day and says, "Well, we don't have the same needs we had when we were under Rick. It's different. It's a different system. But no, they do have the same needs. It's all the same. They have the same glaring issues. Like, yeah, they got a couple of good shooters, and but they didn't really shoot well tonight. And you know, they're they're kind of just the same thing that they were last year with a marginally better shooter and Reggie Bullock. I mean, so yeah, I guess you could say I'm very concerned, and I don't know." what to expect from Toronto because I mean, I don't watch Toronto play a lot. I, I'll be honest. I'm an, I'm not going to be one of those guys that, you know, like on a Ringer podcast that says they know everything about every team in the NBA because I don't. I don't know everything about Toronto. But it's well, concerning guys, because it's, it's largely the same thing from last year, in my opinion.
2: Well, look, if y'all want to feel better, uh, Richie Witt, who is on our DallasBasketball.com staff. He he put in the the group text a while ago. Uh, he said seeking a silver lining. Mavs twenty six point loss is their only is only their second worst on opening night in franchise history. The nineteen ninety two team lost by forty one to the Spurs en route to a twenty two and sixty season. Feel better.
1: You got to love it.
2: <laughs> Mavs have their own pick this year. Hey hey, I will I will counteract that though. In twenty in uh in two thousand and seven, we won't talk about the ending of that season, but the Mavs started out zero and four that year, and then they ended up going uh sixty seven and fifteen on the year. So
3: <laughs> it's a little bit better of a roster, in my opinion. But
2: you know, yeah, <laughs> it was a little bit better of a roster, and you know that team was motivated after uh after losing in the finals the previous year after being up 2-0. Uh, And then, again, like I said, I'm not going to mention how that season ended because it just – those two years, uh, you know, ruined my early teen years. (laughs) (laughs) Made me very sad. But, uh, all right, guys. So, I mean, we've pretty much talked about, uh, you know, uh, the game tonight as far as, like, you know, how they fell flat and some things that went wrong and some things we'd like to see changed. Uh, as far as the second game, I mean, where do y'all think? Uh, where do y'all think the Mavs will end up when Saturday night is over? I personally think uh, they'll come out with a little bit more fire. And given they came out in this game tonight, uh, you know, fiery too. They were up ten to two. The defense was scrambling and you know getting turnovers and. They looked good early on, and then the the Hawks went on like a twelve zero run or something like that, and then it was just you know lights out from there. But I personally think they'll come back and they'll uh, get in the win column Saturday, and uh, you know continue to stack up some wins, and this won't be as much of a concern going forward. Uh, uh, Matt, we'll go with you first. What do you think happened?
3: Well, I mean, like I was just saying, I don't I don't know a whole lot about Toronto um, other than they have my muse they're not
2: as good as Atlanta <laughs> I will tell you that I'm very confident well, when I tell you that
3: that's great um I just you know I I don't I'm everybody who listens to this podcast knows that you are not me and I am not you and we're going to have different opinions on everything and I'm I'm not going to have the kind of more rosy colored glasses about them coming out with more fire just because I don't buy it like I just don't I don't buy what I saw tonight. So until they actually show me that they can be different and make adjustments, then I'm just going to be apathetic about it. Maybe that's a character flaw on my own part. I don't know, but it's, I'm
2: going to, I'm gonna have, to send, I'm gonna have to send you a Mavs Ted Lasso believe shirt, aren't I? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm going to have to send you that and then it'll make you feel better about things going forward. Uh, Lance, we're going to swing it back to you because we've kind of made it across the panel here. I mean, what, what do you expect from the Mavs? So historically,
1: or at least the last couple seasons, the Raptors have had the Mavs number, and obviously Lowry's not there. They're kind of dealing with the injury issues with uh, Siakam. I think it's a shoulder injury. And Boucher, their center, I don't know if he's a backup center this year, but he's, he's a pretty good energetic center. He's game-time decision with all that said, they're playing against one of the best coaches in the league. And we have just gone on a 30-minute, 40-minute explanation as to why the Mavs kind of lost this game or did lose this game. So I'm not going to say the Mavs are going to go down 0-2, but I I think it's going to be a close one. I mean, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to sit here and act like I got the fan duel up and and I'm going to predict the, the win-loss, but... Definitely think it's going to be a nail-biter. Uh, I just really hope that they don't do the whole force-feed KP in the in the elbow spot. Uh, the Raptors are pretty athletic, and defensively, they got better options to guard KP. And, and in light of Atlanta guarding KP pretty well, I think Toronto can do a lot better job than that. So I really hope they don't get, let the offense get stagnant again like they did tonight.
2: Well, the good thing is if uh, if KP's only gonna score eleven points per game, then it doesn't really matter how good they defend him <laughs> tomorrow night, you know, it's it's not gonna make that much of a that much of an imprint on the game. But you, you know, ideally you'd like to see KP break out and have a much better uh, second game than he did in the in the season opener. But uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, Jason Kidd, he has some things that he could have done better in this one. Uh, we kind of knew how this was going to go against the Hawks uh, with Dwight Powell in the starting lineup, uh, given the, the front court that Atlanta has. I mean, I just – it, it looked like a train wreck from a mile away, and we were just trying to be optimistic about it. And it turned out, you know, how our, how our deepest fears thought. <laughs> so uh, that, that's part of it. And in-game in adjustments and stuff like that is part of it. But just the overall poor shooting too, you know, I don't care. I don't care what kind of uh, adjustments or lack thereof, you know, is happening throughout a game. Uh, when you shoot 33% from the field, you're just, you're just not going to win very many games. Uh, maybe not win any games <laughs> if you shoot that poorly. So, uh, again, I, I think they'll bounce back and uh, get in the win column and, you know, we can, we can come back on and have a, a post-game pod that's a little bit more more enthusiastic than, you know, what we just witnessed tonight. But, uh, Grant, do you have anything else you want to add? We're about to take off here.
4: Yeah, I think one one thing that was a little confusing was how little Reggie Bullock ended up playing. I think, like, mostly four-minute stretches. I thought that was a little weird for, like, being the, the top acquisition in
2: yeah, I agree. Uh, and I really just feel like I I'm not saying he can't be a good, a really good contributor off the bench, but I just really feel like he would be best utilized in the starting lineup, playing most of his minutes with Luca. Uh, and you have that that lineup that I've I've mentioned, you know, in previous weeks, and I even mentioned it earlier in this pod. I think you need to have Luca, Tim Hardaway Jr., Reggie Bullock. Dorian Finney-Smith, and KP. I think that lineup will be the most productive for them this season as a starting unit. And, you know, uh, Dwight Powell, we've seen what he can do when he plays with Maxie off the bench. They're a pretty good tandem together. Uh, I just think overall that's the move – that's the main move that needs to be made. So, uh, we'll, you know, we'll see how it goes going, going forward because I definitely want to see Reggie Bullock have a bigger impact than what he did tonight. Uh, and Sterling Brown too. Uh, that you know, and it, there's going to be some chemistry stuff. They're going to have to, you know, get more acclimated to their teammates, and that comes with time. But uh, you know, like I said before, and not to be cliche about it, but it is only one game out of 82, so uh, there is a long, long way to go. And we can do this all over again, <laughs> game after game. Maybe not every game, but. You know, we're going to try and come on here and uh, either uh, Matt or Lance, Grant or whoever else I can get to come on here. uh, We're going to try and bring you as much uh, as much postgame content as we can this year without, you know, driving ourselves into the ground. So, uh, guys, that's going to do it for another episode of Math Step Back Podcast. Be sure to go like, rate and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, we're gonna start doing a lot more stuff here on Fireside for these post game shows, and you know we've got some other stuff with the Blue Wire Podcast Network that that's in the works right now. Uh, I'm not gonna say too much on that just because nothing's finalized yet, but uh, they always have something you know going on this time of year that we kind of get our feet wet with, with. So stay tuned for that. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, uh, go there and leave us a review. Uh, if you do you automatically enter yourself for a chance to win one of our Mav step back t-shirts uh, you just need to put your uh, your Twitter ad or Instagram at some kind of social media at where we can contact you if you do win one uh, we give out a couple of these every week or so so uh, be sure to do that and guys we appreciate it. y'all enjoy the rest of your Thursday have a good Friday night stress free and then you know get ready to get back into it with the Mavs playing the Raptors on Saturday. So y'all have a great one.
0: Let 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 me step back for a minute. Let me step back for a minute. Let me step back for a minute. Let me step back for a minute.